Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. All right. How's everybody doing? Doing good this morning? And the Lord said, let there be new light, and there was. Might look like a bleached white pastor, but maybe not. We're going we're gonna to get a good education this week, you know, as we work through the lighting. And, and I, you know, I hope, man, we hope all, all the production guys, all the sound guys, we hope you're noticing something different. You guys see the difference? You notice the stage looks different. Thank God. If you scratch your head, say, I don't see anything that changed, man. We've been working hard. You know, we've had, you've had two issues these last two weeks that we've had the privilege, I'm going to call it a privilege, uh, to work through as a team. And uh, we work through it, you know, work through the details of it. And, uh, you know, I am amazed at the production guys and the worship guys and that the evolutions of things, when something happens, you realize the, the, the value and the strength of the team. If you can get it fixed, if you can work out the details, you can troubleshoot it and we can still roll on with it. We know we're doing things right, but I have been amazed at the teamwork uh, of making it work. So can we give them a hand clap? Man, we appreciate all you guys do. If you want to be a part of the roller coaster ride, join the production team. It's never a dull moment. So we're going to continue this morning. We are on week five of our Purpose series. And... Um, this morning, I really want to focus on the, the, the focus point of using your gifts, okay? That's going to be the main focus of everything that I'm going to talk to you about this morning. It's super important at some point, once we realize our purpose, once we realize our giftings, to put those things to use. It's no good to know what the gifts are if you never function in them, if you never use them. And you're like, well, I got all these gifts. And if you're just sitting here, you're not using your gifts you might as well not know what your gift is, and really, nobody benefits from that gift until we put it to use, okay? So it's really important. So this series has been focusing on why you were created and realizing God's plan for your life. You have to realize that God has a plan for your life. You realize that? I mean, we're five weeks in. If you don't realize God has a purpose for your life, we're going to start all over, Right? That God has a perfect plan for your life, that He's good before He even created you in your mother's womb. And the Lord said, And you better get it. He's getting angry. He ain't using that purpose. But, you know, from your mother's womb, it says that He formed and He fashioned and He created and He mended and He gifted and He breathed life into you. And it honors God when we use what He's given us. It honors God. It brings God glory. That was Jesus' main goal. He said, I, everything that I do is to glorify the Father. So can we make it our life's goal that everything we do, that it would bring glory to the Father? That when people say, man, you're pretty good at that. It's like, hey, I got a gift from my Father God. Yeah, you have one too. And you know, you, it's just something that cultivates, it encourages people, and it glorifies God. So I want to I start with a few statements. There's a lot of things that I'm going to say this morning, but I really believe that purpose realized is revealed by action and doing what you were built to do. 
If you're not doing anything, one of two things. Either you don't realize what you were built for, or you're just being hard-headed and you're not doing anything with the gift that you know you have. It's revealed by action. Like, you can sit here all day and say, oh, pastor, I got all these gifts. Oh, I can sing like a canary. You don't audition for the worship team and you don't do all of that and you just, you know... Man, that gift will never... I thank God for all of these vocalists that have the ability to sing and lead us into worship, that they are using that gift that God has given them. So you have to know what that gift is. Put it to action. If you have not applied the action of using the gift, that's, that's, I really believe that that is when purpose is revealed. When you know your purpose is going to be revealed by the action that you put forth in what you are actually doing. I would say you don't know your purpose until you start doing something. I know that's a strong statement. No, I got purpose, Pastor. No, well, are you doing anything with it? Well, no. Well, then you might as well not know your purpose. Because I think that that even does a disservice to God. If we know our purpose and we're just not doing anything, come on. But God reveals those things so that we use them. You know, so it, you know, it's at that moment of knowing what it is that we're supposed to be doing. So at, at this point in this series, this is the action part. This is the getting involved. You know, we can talk about purpose, and I don't want to just start going through this series, talk about it in the whole purpose series, and not do anything. And I've really been encouraged because some people, it's clicking. They're getting it. They're saying, hey, hey, who's doing that job? Hey, nobody's doing that job. Well, actually, I'm doing that job. You want me to do that? Praise God. I get so excited. I like, heck yeah, you can do that. Right? Opportunities where you can serve. You know, and I know that there's a lot of intimidating positions. Like you may say, well, Pastor Noe, I would never preach like you preach. Or I'd be scared out of my mind to go to that, to go up on the platform and, and, and help with worship or whatever. Well, maybe that's not for you. But there's something by God designed that is for you. And you got to figure out what that is. Um, you know, I know that Sometimes we struggle figuring out what it is, but when you use the gift that God has given you, it'll bring significance and satisfaction to your life, and that solidifies your purpose. I think sometimes we're just discontent, we're not satisfied, and we don't realize why, but it's because we're not doing what we are purposed to do. I mean, you can work jobs. I'm not talking just working and providing for family. We got to do those things. I'm talking about tapping in to something of kingdom significance. Well, maybe it is working a job where you're making a whole lot of money and you can give to impact the kingdom of God. Maybe that's God's plan and his purpose. But make sure everything we do that there's some kingdom focus in what we're doing. If we're just going to work, we're coming home, we're dreading our job, we're, oh, poor me. You know, you, you, you ignore your wife because you're tired from your long day of work. Your kids come, try to jump on your lap. You're like, hey, get away from me. I go to sleep and in the morning I get up and I do it all over again and this is the cycle of my purpose? And there has to be more than that, right? We have to see what we're doing practically because we have to work. We got to pay bills. We got to, you know, we got to do things to keep the lights on. But if what we just do, what we do has to kind of connect with a kingdom purpose because it's bigger than just that. God didn't build us to just build all this worldly possessions and things, but he's called us to co-labor in his kingdom. But it could look different for each of us. So do you realize you will never hit a midlife crisis if you're doing what it is that God has gifted you to do? Now, I believe that, the, that but if you, by, by midlife crisis, you know, if you have not done anything with your gifts, 
and you're at your midlife stage, I believe that this indeed would be the biggest crisis. But I believe if you are doing what God has called you to, you'll never hit this lull in your life where you're like, oh no, I just haven't done these things or I've been waiting on this because it is being a part of the kingdom that keeps the significance alive. Right? It's not just buying stuff, going on vacations, changing up the normal. I I was able to uh, officiate a wedding yesterday and I drove there and I came back and then I picked up my family and I drove there and I came back. Man, that first drive was glorious. I was by myself. I didn't have the kids. It was somewhere I hadn't been in a long time. I just really enjoyed the change of pace because I put a lot of office hours in and just different things like that. So <laughs> by the third time going and coming back, I said, oh, Lord. Right. But I think sometimes we have to change what we're doing. We have to get out of our norm. But think about it. Just, you know, and that's when we feel alive or that's where, we, you know, or we, per- we make a new purchase. Right? We're all excited. We get new tires on our truck. Whatever it is, we get, we, get, we get something new. Well, we cannot do that every day of our life to bring satisfaction. Well, I bought this today, and I bought that yesterday, and I bought all these things. and you, that's, what you're, that's how you're trying to enhance the joy factor in your life. Well, one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to run out of money, which is probably the first thing that's going to happen, and then at some point you'll realize that's not where true joy and satisfaction comes from. Now, those things can be supplemental, but you've got to tap into your purpose. But I believe that if you're pursuing God's plan for your life, you will not have this midlife crisis mode where you're just like, oh, no, I've lived half my life or I'm 50 now and I haven't done anything significant with my life. Because I believe that if we get to that place, the older we get and we have that reality check of not doing anything, that's way worse than a midlife crisis because that's really a kingdom crisis because you have not co-labored and been a part of what God is doing here on the earth by using your gifts and callings. Another, another statement, just some food for thought. If you're not passionate about what you're doing to serve the Lord, change it. You know, I feel like some people are like, well, Pastor, no, I've just been doing this a long time and maybe your attitude is poor and you're, just got, or you're real discontent and, and you don't change what you're doing. You, you realize our church wants you to be plugged into something you enjoy, not something you loathe. Now, there is a balance where sometimes you have to do something you don't want to do. I do that every week. Every week I walk around and I might pick up trash. I might do something that is, it's not my job to do. But I'm bought into the whole thing, right? I'm bought into the big picture. There is nothing that I won't do that's, that's beneath me. Let, me. let me maybe put it that way, where it's like, you know, I don't just show up and say, oh, well, my position or my calling is just to preach on Sundays. And we'll look at it in just a minute that the biggest thing is that we serve in whatever capacity God calls us to. It may not be always glory and glamour, but yet God rewards it the same as the most significant roles in what the world sees as the most insignificant roles. If we look at Proverbs 18, 16 in the New American Standard, it says, a a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. It is your gifts in your life that will make room for you within the church. You know, I've seen individuals work so hard to self-promote themselves into an area of ministry. I've always scratched my head. You know, I even had a pastor friend of mine challenge me and said, well, if you want that position, you should go for it. You should let the pastor know you want that. And I was like, hold on. I said, so is this man promotion or this is God promotion? Is it going to be God that establishes the positions in the house? Or is it going to be something, you know, because think about it. In the secular world, what do we do? 
We pursue it that way, right? Hey, I want the job. I can do the job. Hey, here's my application. You know, you've proven yourself. You are working so hard with an attempt to get promoted. But I've seen people do that in the kingdom. I've seen people do that in the, in the house of the Lord. And, and, if that, and if that is how you've gotten to a place in ministry, I do not believe that that is God's best. I'm not saying it doesn't work because... Maybe it would. Oh, that person's really a go-getter. We're going to put up, we're going to release them to an area of ministry. But if it was just because of the promotion and just the work ethic and not the heart, we're missing the whole picture. I'd rather somebody be full of heart and not have a lot of talent and flair and gifts than somebody full of gifts with no heart. We can teach the things to do, but if your heart is not right, it's hard to change the heart. But it says a man's gift will make room for him. You know, so you got to use your gifts and, and let that open a door for you. You know, us as elders and pastors, we are always looking at people and evaluating what is their gifting? What is their calling? You know, sometimes we won't see it. You know why? You're not using your gift. It's that simple. I can't see something you're not doing. Right? But we are looking for that. We want to plug you into what that gift is, what that calling is, and, you know, but do what it is that God has called you to do. Use your gift. But if you've ever had to self-promote yourself into an area of ministry, I don't believe that that's God's best. One more thought. Um, If serving seems like an insignificant role to you, then ministry is not for you. Because that's the heartbeat of everything we do. It's to serve. If we look at Matthew 23, 11 through 12, it says, The greatest among you will be your servant. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Since when is servanthood something to be achieved or something to pursue? you got to understand that, that God's kingdom order is not like the worldly order. It's always backwards, right? It's not the one that has the most toys or the one that makes the most money wins. But it's the one who sacrifices more, the one, the one that lays his life down in a more extravagant way. You know, it, it even says that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Now think about that. You're at a track meet. You're running, and, you, and they come in, and that first place guy, oh, he's all pumped up. It's like, ah, you're last. This makes no sense. But you've got to understand, we are operating in a kingdom, not of this world. We are operating according to a heavenly kingdom. <laughs> so, Pastor Noe, what are you saying? If I run slow, run track? No. Right, you know, you still got to do what you're doing, but we got to understand that that the focus is 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 not to be first. It's not to be the best. It's not so that we self promote. It's not so that I look good, but it's to glorify the Father with what He has given me. Everything that God has given me, I hold with open hands. And it says, "For those who exalt themselves, they will be humbled, and those who humble themselves, they will be exalted." It's a strong scripture. You have to realize that Jesus' whole focus on ministry was to come to serve and not be served. The road that leads to greatness is, is, is paved by serving in whatever capacity presents itself at the moment. You say, well, Pastor Noah hadn't asked me to do something. Well, if you see something, do it. You know, I mean, I, I think, you know, that's, that's one of the biggest blessings for a pastor is, is people that are proactive in just seeing a need and just meeting it. You know, I had a pastor, uh, he shared about, he said, so many of my church staff became my church staff because they just started doing things without being asked, and then they made such, an in, such a substantial impact 
that now I could not afford them, afford to not have them do what they're doing, so I had to bring them on staff so they'd keep doing it. But these things started in insignificant roles. It was just like, hey, you know, and I see, there, man, there are, there are men in this church who will set up chairs without asking. They'll go above and beyond. They'll see it. They won't let me climb a ladder. They won't let me get dirty on a Sunday. They're like, no, Pastor, you go do this. And, but their heart is to serve. And it blesses me because they're trying to serve me, but what they don't realize is they are serving the Father. And as much as Pastor Noe is proud of you, it just pleases God's heart when we serve in that capacity. But what if we took care of each other in that capacity all the other time? No, you take this seat. No, you take this seat. This seat's better. Hey, you can see the screen a little bit better from here. No, 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 take my seat. No, 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 take my umbrella. I know it's raining. No, take this best spot. You know, it's almost funny because when we, get in the, when we build this culture of serving, everybody wants to serve anybody. And at some point you're like, well, somebody's got to give because everybody wants to serve. Well, I'd rather have that problem than just saying, oh, I'm going to take the best spot because it's raining today. I don't want to get my new shoes wet. But would you be willing to park the furthest out to carry your shoes, walk ankle deep so that maybe another brother or sister can get the preferred spot? Now, we don't think about that. You're thinking, well, I got kids, Pastor Noah. You don't hey, no, I'm talking about this radical servitude of what Jesus did. He was radical in how he served. He really was, right? But we must serve. You know, um, his whole, Jesus' whole ministry focus was to come to serve and not be served. But if you want to get to a place of greatness, serve in whatever presents itself at the moment. I remember uh, I spent some time in Brazil, and uh, I was being involved in the worship team and different things like that, and they had me play bass the whole summer. Man, God did a work in my heart that summer. I remember complaining to God, don't they know I can do more than play bass? You know, I'm a guitar player, electric guitar player. And so like, you know, for your pocket bass players, like it just gets boring. I'm just like, wow. And I would sometimes throw some of my electric guitar riffs in there just like because I'm bored out of my mind. If I play bass to this day, they tell me I play bass like a guitar player. I'm still trying to figure out what that means, but... For all you real bass players, you know what that means. It, you know, but I remember having to get to that place of being content with what God was releasing me to do, what he was calling me to do, and really what he was positioning me to do. But it was what was available at that time. And I learned, Pastor Noe learned a hard lesson. I learned that you serve where you're placed and where you're put. Now, I look at where I am today, and I'm nowhere near just playing bass, you know, but God has, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying this in a prideful, arrogant way, but God has promoted me to a place today I never in my life dreamed I'd be doing. And every day I feel like, Lord, are you sure? Because I feel inadequate or I feel like I can't do it. But I know that in my areas of weakness, he is strong and faithful and good. And if God tells me I can do it, guess what? I can do it. Does it scare me? Yes. Am I worried about messing it up sometimes? Absolutely. And that makes me the perfect man for the job because I hold it lightly, guys. Unless God works, unless God speaks, unless God shows me what to do, Pastor Noe will fail. But God uses those people who are dependent on him. Who will take the little bit that they have to offer 
you know, like the two fish and the, and the loaves and say, Lord, this is all I got. He says, oh, let me have that. I can work with that. And you've got to realize everybody has something to contribute. But in order for God to multiply it, you've got to give them that little bit that you got. I would have wanted to keep those two fish and that few loaves because I was like, man, that's all I got to eat. Go home and tell mom, mom, this guy tried to take my fish and my loaves. A little Scooby snack that, that you sent me with, you know, look, I mean, but yet what is insignificant and small in our hands can be multiplied in the father's hands. So we have to trust God with those gifts that as he gives them to us and we use them, we, we would really see those multiplied, that we would be content. So be content with the season of serving that God has you in. If you're faithful with the little things, God can use you for the great things. Stay content. Some of you may be miserable or you may, you know, maybe you cut the grass or maybe you do something around here that you're just like picking up trash, rearranging chairs, whatever it is. Like, you know, I remember when I first started pastoring, man, I got so frustrated because I'd have to do the same thing every week and nobody's paying attention. They'd pull trash bags and wouldn't put a bag back. So I'd put a bag and say, all right, Lord, I'm serving. So I got smart. I put a sign on the, on the trash can that says, when you remove the bag, put a new bag. Guess what? It still happened for a while. It's like, now they ain't even reading. Like, come on, man. Like, what else can I do? But, you know, you see these things where you just take up slack or you're doing something. And you know what I did? I just quit doing some stuff. I was like, shame on them. It's going to be somebody else's problem. I don't know if you've ever tried to take the trash out when there's not a bag in the trash. You church folks know what's up. You're throwing your coffee cups in there. Your kids are throwing their breakfast in there. And you look in there and it looks like a banana split. And you got to deal with it. It's sitting in the bottom of the trash can, right? You know, so the glamorous things sometimes are not fun to deal with. Maybe you're having to deal with some things that you're just frustrated with. Allow God to give you a heart check and say, Lord, help me be content with what I'm doing. Help me be faithful with these things that are driving me nuts. You know, we we were laughing this morning. We just stopped and prayed because we had a little technical thing this morning. I said, you know what? We just got to pray. I said, we do everything we can do that's in our control, but the things that are, that are out of our control, we can't do anything with those. I said, but we can guard our heart and we can say, Lord, if you're doing something in us, do the work. And we laughed and we said, Lord, but do it quickly because we're tired of all this drama. Because, you know, it's tough. We're waiting for that Sunday that's just easy and convenient where we just show up and there's no issues. But that wouldn't be no fun, right? You're, all, of, all, the, all the tech guys are like, yeah, it would be for at least one Sunday. We've been working through all these things, but it's being content. It's being faithful. It's saying, Lord, change my heart. When I'm doing something I don't want to do, give me the heart and the motive to do it like I love doing it. Like, but you don't understand my job, what I'm doing right now. No, I understand. I've done stuff I didn't like to do or didn't want to do. I still do it, even as the lead pastor of this church. Sometimes I'm frustrated. But, but then I remember, hey, this is a privilege to serve and do something that necessarily isn't my job description. And this blesses God just as much as this platform ministry. So I'll line my heart real quick. I'm not asking you to do something that I never do. So now that we understand how God wants our attitudes towards our gifts to be, let's look at some of the gifts that the Father gives a little bit more specifically. And I'm kind of going to go through the list of all of these gifts in Scripture. And, and when I talk about one of these, maybe one of these things will be enlightened in your heart. You say, wow. That sounds kind of how I'm built. That sounds kind of like what I enjoy doing. I didn't even realize that was a gift. And I'm hoping that there is some connection with gifting and specifics and that that today maybe it would come to life of what your gift is. And then if you know what your gift is, that you would begin to use that gift. 
Okay, so the first gifts I want to look at, you know, are given for the maturing and building up of the church. You have heard us say these things previously, but I want to focus on these specifically this morning. Um, You know, so when we think about gifts, I was thinking about, Lord, do we have to have people that are in a specific office? And I really felt like the Lord just really led me to say, I'm concerned more about the function than I am the title. I want the function and the operation of the gift happening more so than having a title uh, over a specific thing, that we want to function in in what these areas of ministry are more so than saying, oh, well, I'm this or I'm that. Because if we do that, now we're being puffed up and saying, oh, well, I'm the apostle in the church. Oh, well, I'm the prophet. Come on, man. Like, But we have to have the function of the apostle and we have to have the function of the prophets in the house. Okay, so don't pursue the title. Just worry about the function as the spirit of God leads and releases that gift in your life. So let's really try to focus on function over position. I want to try to challenge us with that this morning. Okay, so the gifts that equip the church. These are the offices of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor and the teacher. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostle. So he gave these to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And for this reason, in verse 12, to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all, that's all of us collectively, reach unity in faith. So that's the first thing that we'd have be united in the faith and that in the knowledge of the Son of God. So we'd have knowledge of who the Son of God is and we'd have unity in the faith and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So in the church, you know, In a church that is operating in a biblical model, we should see the functions of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher operating in the house. If you're going to support a biblical model of what the Bible says is required and needed to grow the church. Now, you know, I've been kind of, you know, fighting with this thing. It's like, well, do we see churches modeling this? Do we see churches doing this? Even in our week of fasting and prayer, you know, we were talking about some of these things. And I said, Lord, if these things are relevant and essential to to grow a healthy church, we got to have these these, uh, functions in place. Okay, so we have to understand that each ministry is needed to build up the church in all that God has called it to be. So having the operation of all of these functions adds to the balance of a healthy spiritual diet. So just like we talk about a health diet, like eating good things, you know, I mean, you need protein, you need vegetable, you know, you need an array of of all of these things. I believe these offices are the same way. There's a time that you need a pastor. There's time you need a teacher. There's times you need a prophetic word. There's times you need an apostle to, to come in and give vision and direction and insight to the life of the church. Like I think that all of these variables, it will keep that balance so I was kind of researching this, and I, and I ran across this article that did a great job at explaining these positions and these functions. I hope that it helps you as much as it helped me. So we're going to look at the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, and, and I'm going to give you words that specify what their purpose and function is. So the apostle is to govern, okay? So revealing compassion and in strategy for advancing the kingdom, right? So the apostle governs. The prophet guides, He's the mouthpiece communicating guidance. The evangelist gathers. So these are the hands that are always reaching out to souls. The pastor guards. So the the feet leading the sheep to pasture and paths of righteousness. And the teacher grounds, which means he has the mind of Christ and he brings wisdom and understanding. So we need to see all of these functions as important. You know, as I saw it break down like this, I said, Lord... I have functioned in some of these and I didn't realize because 
I don't know if I would ever self-confidently call myself an apostle. You know, but under this definition of saying revealing compassion and strategy for advancing the kingdom? Oh, absolutely. I see that gifting in my life to where he is showing me strategies and giving me ways. And, and it's not because, oh, Pastor Noe came up with this, but I've seen him download these things. So the apostle governs, the prophet guides, the evangelist gathers, the pastor guards, and the teacher grounds. I'll give you a little bit, uh, another way to look at it, you know, so... Um, So the apostle functions kind of as the thumb of the ministry head. The thumb is the only one that touches all the other fingers and allows you to grip, to hold on to what God has spoken. So just trying to give you some nuggets to think about, like when we talk about an apostle, what the heck is an apostle? He touches all the other areas of ministry and he helps us hold on to what God has spoken. So the prophet is like the forefinger. What do we use this finger for? Points, right? He points to things. He specifies things. He shows things. So the forefinger represents the prophet. So the middle finger, the evangelist, if we look at our hand, it reaches the furthest of all of our fingers. And most of the time, we see the missionary do that. He goes to the unreached people groups, to these places that maybe we don't want to go, that, you know, they are outreaching. So they're the furthest reaching. That ring finger represents the pastor who is married to the sheep. He is always with them. Right. And then the pinky finger, you know, we feel like it's kind of insignificant, but this represents the teacher. But you know what the pinky finger does? It adds balance to the whole hand. So it's really a cool way to see like all of these things. They're so essential to the life of the church. Each one has its own specific purpose and function, and it's critical to the big picture of what God wants. Some good stuff. Took a picture of it if you need to take a picture of it. It's a lot of stuff right there. All right, James 1.17, it says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So we have to realize that everything that we receive, the, you know, is, you know, gift that we receive is a function of the grace and blessing of God being released in our life. Because He's good and He loves us. You know, when we see a gift function in our lives or in the lives of others, you know, it, this gift brings glory to God and we should all give thanks. You know, let our response not be when we see somebody functioning a gift to be like, well, Lord, I wish I had that. Let us rejoice that God is functioning in the lives of others with that gift. It should be something that's exciting, that, 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 we're, that we're supportive of. Because I believe that if we rejoice with those who are functioning in that gift, perhaps that'll be the key that unlocks our gift in our life. Rather than saying, oh, I wish I had that gift, or I want that gift, Lord, that, this one seems insignificant or dull or boring, but that we would rejoice when others are functioning in, in those gifts. We have to realize that using our gifts glorifies God. So not everyone will have the same gift, you know, and this is a good thing because if everybody had the exact same gift, you know how boring that would be? Be like, all right. That gift, same gift, that gift, same gift. You know, it'd be almost like a parrot just repeating the same thing. You know, man, it would just be like, you know, parrots are really cool unless you live with them, right? I always think about that. You go to somebody's house that has a parrot, and they're just, they've been taught to say specific things. You're like, oh, man, that's cool. What else can they say? And it's like three or four things, right? Well, if you live with that parrot, and it's the same old, same old every single time, you would want to kill that parrot. Shut up. And then he says, shut up. Like, you know, he repeats back to you. 
<laughs> you know, it, it just it, if it's exactly the same, it, at some point it'll just get old, it'll get boring. But I believe that if we really allow ourselves to function in the diversity of gifts and the diversity of functions that God has established for the church, we will see great things happen. It'll be exciting. We'll come on Sundays and say, man, I wonder what's going to happen this Sunday. Rather than just saying, oh, well, we know what happens. We have the countdown. Pastor Noe greets. We do four songs. We come up. I mean, I can tell you what the script is. But you know what's cool? When, when God really messes up that script by the power of his Holy Spirit, and we're like, <laughs> Pastor Noe, you knew we were going to do that? I didn't know we were going to do that. That's kind of how it played out. So we make our plans. We make our purpose. But we allow God to guide and direct our steps. Got to make room for the Holy Spirit to move. All right? So God will use the functions of this five-fold ministry to build up the church. So if you ever hear somebody talk about five-fold ministry, it's talking about these five ministry gifts functioning within the church. Just so you know, if you ever heard somebody like, and you'd be like, oh yeah, five-fold ministry, you sound like real biblically, you know, like, like you went to seminary or something, you know these phrases. But if somebody ever talks about a five-fold ministry functioning in the church, that are the, that's the five offices that it's talking about. So let's look at gifts that edify the church. So here in chapter 12, you know, it gives us a whole list of the gifts distributed by the Holy Spirit as he sees fit to what? Edify the church. If the church is not being edified, let's not do it. That, 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 needs, to, that needs to be the guide. Is everybody edified? Is everybody encouraged? Did you leave the, the service and be like, man, I'm all bummed out now. If you did, we might not be functioning in what God is speaking. Because God always leaves us better off than when we started. We might come in discouraged, but man, we need to leave encouraged. So 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, it says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Verse 7, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for what? The common Good. For the common good that we're all encouraged so that everybody collectively will have a good time, right? That will be encouraged. And it says, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. So you, you, hopefully you figure out this all comes from the same Spirit. He says it about a million times. It says, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between Spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still uh, another, uh, the interpretation of tongues. And then verse 11 says, All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one as He determines. You know, so let's say, you know, let's say that I had eight different kinds of candy bars. Right? I got them, and, and I say, all right, hey, you come on up here. Derek here, I'm going to give you this one. Melanie, I'm going to give you this one. And I, I'm distributing how I see fit. Now, don't get mad if I give Derek a Snickers and you got a Twix. Man, I like Snickers way more than Twix. Don't worry about that. It's not our responsibility to determine what we receive. It's just to receive what God chooses to give us and be satisfied with what he's given us. Now, there's some, well, I look and I, you know, I don't take the candy bar, but I'm kind of like, it's pretty cool. God didn't give me that. You know, I've seen that in my own life where it's like, wow, man, I've never done that. I was like, now, if God, if God wants to break me off a piece of that Twix and send it my way, I'll function in that. But that hasn't been the case. We've got to stay content with what God, by his Holy Spirit, gives us and distributes. But he distributes those gifts. He passes them out as he determines. So what do we got to do? First, we've got to be okay with what he gives us. Secondly, we've got to ask that he would give them to us. 
You understand that? You know, we got to ask for those gifts. We got to ask for God to, to give those things to us. But don't get mad when you're like, oh, man. Because through the diversity and the variety of the gifts, it's going to edify everyone. Because you'll see all of these things complementing each other, and you'll just see that this is going to be the flow that the Spirit uses to edify and encourage the church. So the gifts of the church uh, for their edification is a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, distinguishing of spirits, speaking in tongues, and interpretation of tongues. So Paul goes to explain the order, actually, of the importance of the functions. And this scripture kind of caught me off guard. I was like, Lord, how the heck does... Okay, so, so if, we, if we look at you know, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 31, which is later in this passage, he says, Now you are a body of Christ. So he's saying you are all connected, you're all together, and, to, and each one of you is a part of it. So I don't care what part I play, I'm just glad to be a part. I'm just going to put it that way. My heart has always been content. Lord, as long as I'm part of the team, that's all I care about. But you're a part of it this morning. You have to realize that. You, you are not insignificant and not needed. Every single one in this room in the life of this church is needed. And it says, and God placed um, in the church, look at this. He says, first of all, the apostles. Second, the prophets. Third, the teachers. Then miracles, the gifts of healing, of helps, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. All are, all are, and then it goes on to say, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work in miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? And then in verse 31, it says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Now I'm saying, Lord, I don't know what the greater gifts are. Like those gifts that you just listed were pretty great. You know, but as I looked at that list and as he put them in a specific order, there's not... Pastor is not listed on that, on that list. So pastor, no, he got deflated. Right? I said, I said, so, okay, so that's not as important, per se, as we think it is, maybe. Now, we do, if we go back, look at that other passage, it is important for edifying and building. So we just want to look at the text in its entirety, but that wasn't the list. Pastor was not number one on that list. But in the church live, guess what? We always put pastor as number one. Pastor is the most important. Now, I'm not, I'm not preaching this morning to get myself demoted and, and I lose my job. But what I want us to do is align our church culture in the way that we establish the house in a way that honors God. Where if, the, if, if somebody is functioning in the gifting of the apostle, you better make room for it. Why? Because he says that's number one. Right? Or let's say somebody's functioning, you know, as, as a prophet, with a prophetic word, guess what? You better make room for that. You know, so as I was going through this list, you know, I realized first and foremost that the pastors were not listed. But then the last thing on that list is speaking in an unknown tongue. Now, perhaps, you know, we need to give more attention to those things on the higher. But guess what? Did you know that the unknown language, that's really tongues, and it's the lowest on the list, but yet almost every church makes the biggest fuss about tongues. Man, you want to talk about, well, y'all speak in tongues or you don't? You believe in interpretation? Should you do it in church? Should you do it in your prayer cloud? You know, like, man, that is, you know, if you want to talk about, hey, does, you know, a question, you know, it's not going to say, hey, do you have apostles in the house? Do you have prophets in the house? No, tongues is going to come up. Well, y'all believe in the supernatural gift? Yo, y'all speak in tongues. Man, that's the focus of the church. But yet it is last on this list. So let us not focus so much significance on that and focus on the offices that he said is first, second, third, and so on. Amen? He listed them in the way he wanted them. 
I didn't write the Bible. Just telling you what it says. So we have to realize that your gift for your gifts or your gift or gifts to impact other people, you have to use them. I believe that God will give you the ability to function in more than one gift. You know, I've seen people function in, you know, tongues and interpretation. I've seen people give a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge at the same time. You know, I've seen all kinds of stuff where God, you know, and I, I don't know if it's just, I, I think it's just the Holy Spirit keeping it fresh and relevant and real. You know, it's just kind of like every time you're just like rolling the dice and it's a new number every time. You know, you might roll a six back to back, but the likelihood of it being exactly the same every time, the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. He'll mess up your theology like that. I know as a worship leader, when we would have a phenomenal service, we would look at the dynamics of what, what did we do well that really cultivated that. Was it the songs? Was it the, the fasting before? Was it that we said the perfect thing opening the service? What was it that made it just really just a phenomenal service? And if you go back and you do everything exactly the same, you will never find the same place of worship. It's impossible. And I think the Holy Spirit does that to mess with us. He says, try to do it systematically. You'll never understand it. Try to understand it in your mind and you'll never get it. Because it's a heart thing, it's not a head thing. And I think that that is one of the biggest, the biggest barriers to function in the supernatural and in the spiritual and in these Holy Spirit gifts is because we try to understand it here. Pastor Noe tries to understand it right here. My brain thinks in, in object lessons and this and let me try to explain it this way and categorizing it. And, you know, I think that way. So when God just says, there's no method to the madness, I just do what I want, when I want and how I want to do it. Whoa, 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 Holy Spirit. Are we OK with that? If we want to see a mighty move of the presence of God, we have to be OK with that. Doesn't mean that the church is not in a in a way, in a position of order. It just means that we yield our plans to the Holy Spirit. Every single Sunday, you can guarantee Pastor Noe will be prepared. I will not just show up and be like, well, Holy Spirit's going to do what he wants. I don't even need to even have no notes today. And just get up here and just kind of bobble around be like, well, I really didn't prepare anything. You know, uh, Holy Spirit, hope you speak to me and just kind of bobble around. No, I'm always going to have a plan. But we need to be very aware when God does not want to use that plan and he wants to do something new in that moment. Because preparation is, is what, where we pursue the excellence. It's saying, you know, and throughout the week, I'm asking, Lord, how do I say this? What do I say? What is on your heart? I don't want to just talk about gifts in just a one facet. How do I communicate all of the gifts that you've given? And he really just began to show me, hey, you know, these gifts right here for the office, you know, and these right here for the, the corporate encouragement. And as we keep going, we're going to look at the gifts that encourage everyone. But do you realize that the sooner you begin to use your gift, the sooner others begin to be blessed by it? I know a lot of you are thankful. Like I said, I'm going to go back to the worship team that all of them use their gifts this morning. Because I could straight up next Sunday be like, hey, guys, we're just going to play a CD. Not saying God won't move through that because I've seen it happen. But how many of you know it's a blessing to have live worship that can breathe, that can move, that can linger, that can go to a song that maybe is not on that CD. I'm confined to whatever's on that CD or whatever playlist I've set up, but you, you, ha you have a living being functioning in a gift, being inspired by the presence of God that can breathe and can move and they can flex and can say things. You know, there are times when Pastor Noe is preaching and I hear stuff come out of my mouth that isn't on my list and, and I say, Lord, that's only by you. And it's pouring out of my spirit. It's not pouring out of my head or off of my notes. 
And I, it's, 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 it's an interesting moment. I don't know if you've ever done that or you've ever spoke like that. And you're like, oh, man, that's where I stopped and the Holy Spirit took over. And almost I hear it coming out of my mouth, but I hear it in my ears. And it's almost like I want to amen myself because it's so good. It's like, hey, y'all record that because I don't even know what I said. I got to go back and listen to it. Because we are inspired beings by the Holy Spirit. If we co-labor with him, we will see amazing things happen. We don't have to be scared of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You got to get over that. Well, what if he makes me do something crazy? He will never force you to do anything. He needs our cooperation. I could be disobedient and quit talking right now and go to lunch. I'd be reprimanded from the Holy Spirit. and be like, I had more stuff for you to say. But I could. You want me to prove it or you want me to finish my message? I mean, I, I, see you going to, going to lunch. Like, I mean, you know, but we got to realize he will always encourage us, but he needs our participation if the gifts are to function like he designs. Um, every gift that God has given you, you've heard me say this before, he gives it to you with others in mind. So God has intended for us to use our gifts, gifts collectively, you know, and they will always be used to encourage and strengthen in the way that God wants them to. Don't wait on others to use their gifts. Start by beginning to use your gift now. Did you know that faith grows when people see other people use their gifts? I don't know if you've ever been in a service where you know you were supposed to come up and say something and you didn't, and somebody else came up and said the same thing you were supposed to say. I always wonder if two, two things happen. If it's like, Lord, man, I missed it. I was going to say the same thing. So did he say, because you weren't willing, I had to use somebody else? Or was he really wanting both of you to say the exact same thing so that he could have confirmation in the house? Because that's what's super powerful when you say, hey, I got a word. And they, they say it over here. And then you say, man, I had that same word. I, I, you know, I, get, I agree with that. The Spirit of God was saying the same. That's where we see the power because by the Spirit of God, he speaks, he speaks the word out maybe from my mouth, but he confirms it in your spirit. That's when we see the power of God work. I know uh, maybe it's about a month, month and a half, month, two months ago or something like that now, but, you know, where there was a word given in tongues and another person interpreted it. I love when that happens because, you know, you can give the tongue and you can give the interpretation, but I feel like, I think God will do that. I have heard of a lot of people that they have the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues, that God ties those gifts together. But for me, it's always a blessing and encouragement when somebody gives a word in a tongue and somebody else interprets it. It's like, ooh, you speak that language? Nope, but my Father God does. And you see this complementing of these gifts. Because to me, that's so much more powerful because I was talking to an individual about tongues and I said, you know, for me, and I don't function in the gift of tongues and interpretation. If God wants to do it through me, so be it. But I've just, you know, in my mind, in how Pastor Noe thinks, I was like, okay, so I, I gave the word in tongues, and then I had the interpretation. Did I have the interpretation before I said the tongues, and I should have just said it as a prophetic word in English? That's how my mind programs. It's like, why did I give it in tongues and then give the interpretation if I already knew what I was saying? Not, not discrediting it or like that it won't happen like that, but in the systematic way that I was thinking, I said, Lord, but isn't it so much more powerful if I give it in tongues? And somebody else translates or, or interprets it. But I believe that there will be complementing gifts that give God the greatest glory. Because it doesn't put all the giftings on one person. But it, it diversifies them among the people. Let me keep rolling. Um, 
Don't limit the gifts within the four walls of the church. So what do I mean by that? I mean, you know, if you function in a gift, function in that gift in a restaurant, function in that gift in your home, you know, when you have parties at your house, whatever. The gifts are not always just for within the four walls of the church. So if you function in that gift, man, I was listening to a message this week, you know, as I was driving my Ford trips back and forth. Um, man, listen to these podcasts, and he was just, you know, this guy was just talking about moving in the prophetic and in healing, and, you know, he would just show up, and the Lord would say, hey, this, this person has, has a pain in their neck and on their back, and, you know, and he would just boldly walk up, and he'd pray for them, and they would get healed, and they're freaking out because they don't know what's happening, and then somebody else will show up, and he'll be like, oh, and you have stomach issues. They're like, yeah, and he's like, well, we should pray for you, too, and, and then the person responds and says, well, my stomach's hot. Never mind. We don't need to pray for you. God's already doing his work, and both come to the knowledge of Christ. Man, I'm like, Lord, I want some of that. Whatever candy bar that was, I want it. Like, because, you know, how, you know, faith unto salvation, when you see signs and wonders, it validates who God is. I think a lot of times we say, well, who is this Jesus? Does he really love me? The moment he meets a practical need like that, you can no longer deny him. Now, you can, but you very rarely see that happening. Usually it causes faith to rise. It causes faith to be focused on who Jesus is, and you see lives transformed. All right, gifts that encourage others. Once you know what your gift is, please use it. So these, it says, it gives another list, prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, and mercy. Romans 12, 6 through 8. It says, we have different gifts according to the grace gifts or the grace given to each of us. So we can call these the grace gifts. If you want to talk about, hey, what type of category? These are grace gifts that just God, that God gives us. You know why? Just because. Has nothing to do with anything. He just graces us with some awesome gifts that he wants us to use to bless others. It says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesying according to your faith. So that means whatever your faith level is, that's what you need to shoot for. If it's, if it's an excessive, crazy amount of faith, man, go for it. If you got a little bit of faith, it's okay. Just prophesy to the level of your faith. Verse 7, it says, if it's serving, then serve. Wait a minute. That's a gift. You mean I've been doing a gift the whole time? Yes. Serving is a gift. It says, if it is teaching, then teach. Man, I thought that was just for the schools. No, that's for the church also. All right? If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. I don't know if you've ever been around someone who truly has the gift of encouragement. Man, it don't matter what kind of day you're happen, happen, having. When you leave that conversation, being around that person, you're encouraged. You're encouraged based on their encouragement because they're encouraging everything you were discouraged about. They're like those bubbly people. You're just like, do you have a bad day? Oh, no, never. They're just always encouraging. You know, it's just that's how God has built them. And we need people around us like that. Right? So if you're an encourager, encourage. If it's giving, then give generously. So what does that mean? Maybe God is providing finances and you don't know what to do with them. And you see this multiplication happening where you have so much resources available that you scratch your head and say, Lord, I got more than I know what to do with. And hopefully at some point, the kingdom light bulb turns on and you say, Lord, why have you given me way more than I need? Now, there's the other side of the pendulum. We're like, Lord, you barely give me enough for me to survive. And that may mean you may not have the gift of giving and been blessed in a way where you're to give extravagantly. But if you're in this house and you say, Lord, man, I, I got more than enough to meet my needs, to take care of my children, to take care of my family. And there is just excess in your life. Maybe God has blessed you to be a giver. 
You know, there's a lot of churches that use different words, kingdom builders, and, you know, all of these, all of these phrases that are used to impact. And, you know, everything we see here, guys, you know it costs money. To go do a huge outreach in the community, those things aren't free. To buy food for the homeless or to, you know, to help a community project, none of those things are free. They, are all, they all are costly. But if God has blessed you as a giver, give. I prayed to be a millionaire. It hadn't happened yet. But if God gives it to me, I'll use it for his kingdom. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. So this, this, this passage, it communicates that we all have different gifts according to the grace given to us. You know, so it's, and it's the same thing. Whatever grace gift that God has decided to give to us. Now, in that passage, do you say, eagerly desire the greater gifts? So whatever that means, Lord, I'll take it. I don't know what the greater gifts are. I don't know what's the one that's most important, but whatever I need, whatever you've built me for, whatever you're asking me to do, right here. You know, I know in the church, uh, you know, Bobby used to do it all the time. He'd give away gifts, give away a book, give away a CD, and he's like, who wants it? And everybody's straight up like this. Now, there's a few that don't care, man. I could be giving you a peanut. I want it. You know, like they're so excited. Anything, man, anything I can get, I'll take it. We need to be like that in these gifts. Lord, whatever you want to give me, I want it. Hey, does anybody want, boom, your hand goes up. You don't even know what you're getting yet. But you know that Father God is good. And if he's giving and he's passing out, you're for the taking. Whatever it is that he wants to give you. Um, so it just it continues to communicate that each of these gifts are gi- uh, given according to the grace that he's given us. Everyone has been given a gift, but it's up to you to use it to bless others. Once you know what the gift is, use it. I'm going to keep saying that. Use it. Not saying I, I don't think we we lose it, but I, I think maybe we abuse and we just don't we don't ever we'll never see the potential unless we use it. 1 Corinthians 14.1, it says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophesy. You know, now love, I think, you know, that's focusing on considering others being more important than yourself. 1 Corinthians 14.5 and 6, it says, I would like every single one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather you prophesy. Now, some of us stop there and say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he doesn't want tongues in the church. Well, let me keep going for all you non-tongues people. He says, but the one who prophesies is, is great, is, the one who prophesies is great, not greater than the one who speaks in tongues, or he is greater than the one that speaks in tongues unless there is interpretation. So if there is tongues and interpretation, that is the equivalent of prophecy. But what a lot of people hear is, oh, prophecy is more important. No, it's beneficial because why? It's in English. You understand it. You can be encouraged by it. But if I speak in an unknown tongue and none of you understand, and I say, man, that was awesome, right? And y'all are looking at me, scratching your heads. It makes absolutely no sense. And we just close the service and leave. It does not edify the church. But if there is an interpretation to the tongue, then it is the equivalent of prophecy. So don't forbid it because what happens? Just a little bit longer. Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, he actually said, Paul, he, he, says, he says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. So he wasn't forbidding it. He was just communicating how it should function. And I think that that's what we really have to focus on as we desire to use the gifts and we desire to use the gifts that God has given us, that we realize how they are to function, that they're to encourage, that they're, they're to uplift, that they need to be biblical 
If we ever say in the name of God a prophetic word that is contrary to Scripture, you better check your heart and check your motives. Because I have never seen a prophetic word that contradicts the word of God that was truly inspired by the Spirit. Now, by carnality, just by my own flesh, oh, I could say whatever I want in the name of God and get very, very poor results. So we don't ever want to give prophecy a bad name by working in our own flesh, but we want to work according to the Spirit. We want to make sure it's biblical. You know, it says prophecies are also given to the prophets. There's checks and balances in everything we do. Let's say, let's say somebody was functioning in a gift in this church and they missed the mark by a mile. Either me, Pastor Jim, or the elders will have to address the, fault, the flaw in that. I mean, I might pat you, in the bo- you know, on the back and say, hey, thanks so much for sharing, but let me, let me help bring a little bit of correction to that. The scripture says this, and you said this. We really want to be careful that we align all of our words by the word of God. Now, the goal is what? Not to reprimand and destroy the person. It's to correct and cultivate the right approach to the function. I'm not saying, hey, don't ever speak again. That's not what I want you to do because I would rather just be bold and courageous. You know, I think it's like hitting a home run. Guess what? You know, my coach always used to say, when you're, at that, when you're batting and you're sitting there watching the ball, don't get caught looking. So what does that mean? If it's, you know, if it's, if it, you got, you got, you got a full count, you got a three and two on you, and you know that the pitcher's going to throw a strike, guess what? You better swing. You know, even if you swing and you miss by a mile, I would rather you swing because if you swing, perhaps you can hit a home run. So just because we miss the ball sometimes doesn't mean we don't ever swing. And we're a church that I believe that we will try to foster and cultivate hitting the mark accurately rather often. But on the flip side of that, there's also that guidance if we miss the mark. Uh, Let me tell you a a thing that I go by. You know, I've always been a little radical in speaking what I feel like the Lord is telling me to speak. And so God showed me a long time ago. He says, well, Noe, if you miss it, people might laugh at you, but it'll only be for two or three weeks, God willing, right? Depending on what I say. Let's say I mess up something drastically. They'll laugh at you for a little while, but let's say it was an inspired word from the Lord, and that word that I spoke forever changed the life of the hearer. So for me, the risk of speaking something inspired by the Holy Spirit, it was more beneficial to be fearful of man and get it right than to never try and get it wrong. How did you learn to ride a bike? You just jumped on and took off without the training wheels on it? No, when when you get out of training wheel training into regular bike training, you fall a lot. I mean, you might get lucky and say, hey, dad, look at me. And then you fall in a ditch and die. You know, you, you, th- you get too confident. Oh, I was like, almost killed my kid today learning to ride a bike, right? You know, that's the process, I think, sometimes in learning and growing and using our gifts. But there's some gifts that are very, very easy. I believe that a gift that God has given every believer is the gift to serve. Like, well, what does that mean, Pastor? No, he'd look for opportunities. I mean, I can tell you, man, there's trash right there. Hey, you can help flip off these lights. You can say, hey, let me take that base. Let me put that up for you. Hey, Morgan, let me, let me tape down that tape right there. Pastor Noah, I know you didn't drink all this water. Are you done with it? Can I throw it away or you want me to put it by your back? I mean, oh, I could find all kinds of stuff. Hey, let me get, let me get at the door when people are walking in. I know, it's, I know it's wet. I know it's raining. Let me clean their shoes off before they come in. What you mean like foot washing? No, I'm talking about shoe washing. I mean, God will give us a way to serve. You just got to get in the heartbeat of what it is and look for opportunities to serve. Some of you got your eyes closed so tight you don't want to see nothing. 
<laughs> Don't ever ask me, Pastor Noe, is there an opportunity for me, sir? I'll give you a whole list. I just think like that. Hey, what can I do? How can we bless people? The whole foundation of this church is how can we serve each other well? All right, let me wrap this up. Taking too many bunny trails today. So the key to these God gifts, these grace gifts, are always to edify and encourage, not confuse and distract. So if your gift is serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, or, or showing mercy, use it to bless others. You know, figure out what gift that God has given you and, and release that. Just put it to work, put it to use. I think the first thing we got to ask God is, what are my gifts? But before we ask God, what are my gifts, is there a willingness to use them? Because it's one thing to not know. It's another thing to know and not use it. So when God reveals those gifts, make sure we use them. You have to understand that today the Holy Spirit is the giver of the gifts and he released them as he sees fit. In order to have those gifts freely in your life, we have to make sure that we're not grieving the Holy Spirit. That's what I want to close with this morning. Let's, you know, maybe we've grieved the Holy Spirit and maybe that has really cut off the flow from him really working and moving in our life. You know, and I, and I was looking at Ephesians 4. I'm going to close with this passage. It says in Ephesians 4, 25 through 32, you say, Pastor Noe, what does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? And this is what he begins to put a list there. He says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. So you mean the, the purpose of working is not just for myself, it's to help others in need? Oh, how about that? Verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other, just as Christ has forgave you. So if I was reading then, there was something that just was like, ooh, I don't like that one. Let me scratch it out. Circle that. And ask the Holy Spirit, say, I'm so, you know, just really just apologize. He's quick to forgive, but these are ways that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can cut off that power flow from the gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to release in our life. So to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, um, we have to realize that, you know, this grace to operate in them, it comes from God. But we have to be in right standing for Him, with Him. So for, forgiveness comes through Jesus and the power is released through the Holy Spirit. So to tap into the power of gifts, we have to stay connected to and give room for the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Bible says to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. You guys stand up with me and we'll get out of here. You know, I, I like to use this illustration a lot because I think that it really, really communicates what's already within us. You know, it's like if I have a lamp the light bulb's in there, everything's working, everything's functioning. It's fully functional, right? You know, and I turn and I get that lamp and I begin to turn it and it doesn't turn on, it doesn't turn on, it doesn't turn on. And I get super frustrated. It's like, why is this lamp not working? 
If it is never plugged into the power source, it will never do what it was designed to do. It will not. So we have to have the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Now, some of you may say, Pastor Noe, what do I don't know about this Holy Spirit thing. If you have received salvation, that is the beginning work of the Holy Spirit in your life. He's already been messing with you from a long time ago. But we have to release him to continually work, to have his way in our life, to begin to purge things out of our life that don't please him. And as we begin to purge those things and remove those things that don't please him, we see the power come. Man, Jesus worked in a way that was almost seems like unachievable. But you got to realize what Jesus did, he forfeited his godly power and everything that he did on earth was in the function of a man inspired by the Holy Spirit. He, did the, he, he modeled what the potential was. He left all his, his kingly glory in heaven. He, he said, I, I, get, I, get, I get rid of all of it. He could have, but he chose to surrender it so that he could model the lifestyle that he calls us to live. So I'm just going to ask this morning before we get out of here that the Holy Spirit would just move in your life. And if you're willing, if you open up the windows of your heart and you say, Holy Spirit, come in. If you're okay with it, say, Holy Spirit, mess up my life. I'm tired of just being content and being dis, you know, or discontent with what I'm doing. I want to do more. I don't know what to do. I've done it in my own strength. Just let the Holy Spirit do what he does. And he'll begin to put the house in order. Every now and then, I come home from work, and my three kiddos have been at it, tearing up the house. I walk in the front door, and it looks like a tornado hit. And I look, I look left, I look right. First thing I want to do is say, Becky, what in the world is going on? You know, but sometimes our lives look like that. We look at it, and we say, man. We want to blame circumstance. We want to blame others. We want to whatever. But if we would just say, hey, <laughs> it is what it is. Here's my mess. You know, I think the Holy Spirit can kind of work like a house nanny sometimes. Something that, is, that has mounted so big that we say, I don't even know how to, I don't even know where to start. You ever been there? I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what to do. But invite the Holy Spirit in and you will realize that he will begin to clean the house And once the house is clean, then it can be used for God's glory. Whatever he wants to remove, he removes. He may set up your whole living room like initially you don't like, but you realize it actually works better that way. But as we see the gifts, or God reveals the gifts, that we would use the gifts, and we allow the Holy Spirit to just do what only he can do. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for each one here and the gifts that you've given us. Lord, I pray that uh, as we use these gifts to bless you and bless others, and Father, I pray that whatever you give us, Lord, we would be content with. Lord, whatever it is that you've asked us to do, that we would be radically obedient. Holy Spirit, we just release you into every area of our life to come and have your way. Show us what to do. That's our heart. Show us how to function in what's needed for the, the church to thrive. Lord, if there's unforgiveness, help us to forgive. Lord, I pray if there's somebody stuck this morning, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would just yank them out of that pit, out of that hole, out of that stuck place, that we would move forward with all that you've called us to.
Father, I desire this, ha this house to be a house full of the gifts functioning. That we would see those things. And we would bless each other. And that we would in turn be a blessing. Holy Spirit, keep working on us. We give you room. We give you room in our lives. Thank you that your work is never done, but that you keep chipping at us. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.